The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Right here on 1049, the Horn Full Monty. We got the crew back together. Uh, we got a lot to get into. NBA playoff preview. We'll preview the Lakers and the Nuggets tonight. Western Conference Finals. We'll discuss it. Also, NBA lottery tonight. Oh, somebody about to uh, embark on the first steps on a potential dynasty. Once in a generation talent. Win Benyama, that is the prize. NBA Lottery tonight, we'll preview that as well. Doc Rivers giving his walking papers. I think we all saw that coming. We'll get into that too coming up. Also, realignment brewing in college football again. Yes, yeah, like Groundhog Day. We got an NFL news notes and nugget segment. We'll talk with the Cowboys. Biggest weakness, says Pro Football Focus. Some of y'all ain't going to like this. We'll also get into some uh, Texas football conversation. Uh, one college football analyst says Texas football is the biggest and most dangerous threat in college football today. Well, for that season, was anyway. We'll get into that and more. Before we do, let's introduce you to the rest of the crew. He was a second-round pick for the Montreal Expos, but a first-round pick for the Austin Radio Network. He originally committed to the University of Texas, but decided to forego the 40 acres and chase his dream in the cheese. Pippin ain't easy, but for him, it's a breeze. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the Mike Hardball-Hard. He's back. What's going on, brother? What to do, what to do. Glad to be back. Glad to be back in the house. I mean, as always, it's always fun chopping it up and getting to the uh, crux of the matter. We talking about NBA playoffs. We're talking about the lottery. Doc Rivers is fired. Mm. Come on, man. Come on, Doc. Mm. I'm just like, well, we kind of figured as much, especially (laughs) when some of the conversations started happening. But it's the NBA. We don't know, but we'll find out tonight. Let me talk about my man that sits across from me every single day. He hails from H-Town with the get down. He's a lifetime Longhorn and a proud card-carrying member of DBU. Legendary lifetime and now college football Hall of Famer, Longhorn, 
My man Derek Johnson said he was the best cover corner he had ever seen. He's a former NFL DB that still has that passion for film study, but he's not a fan of white condiments. But, of course, he is a fan of you, the listeners. He is my man and yours, Rod Babels. I appreciate the intro as always. That's not a waste any time introducing the real MVP, one of the hardest working members of the ARN family. He's got a hustler spirit, period. Uh, we don't know what he's paid, but we're pretty sure that he's underpaid. It's Patrick Davis, y'all. What's going on, Patrick? Oh, you know, I'm just just... Got my anxiety up for the next four hours. Anxiety? Whoa. Yeah. Good vibes. Good vibes. I know, but no I got anxiety. up at four hours until, you know, we get to start celebrating that Wimby's coming to San Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. In fact, we got the nickname ready, calling him Wimby and everything. Uh, yes, for those who do not know, uh, and we will discuss it here in this segment along with previewing tonight's uh, Western Conference final matchup between the Lakers and the Nuggets. Also, we got to get to the Doc Rivers uh, conversation, and so there's a lot to get into. But, yes, uh, Victor Wimbenyama is considered a once-in-a-generation talent. Basically, like uh, every, I don't know how often we get these, Patrick, every 10 years maybe? 15, yeah, maybe, and years? then people are touting this one up. Yeah, this may yeah. be one of a one of one. No, they're talking about LeBron-like uh, yeah. comparisons and what could be the impact because he's such a freak and a unicorn. So we'll break that all down. And I did some research, too, and I, I love his background. His background oh, is, yeah, it's it's really, really impressive. And it, it almost, it's, you know, kind of Shohei Otani kind of like stuff in his background when you go look at his path to where, uh, which is going to lead to him being the number one overall pick in the draft. Hopefully to the R-O-C-K-E-T-S. To them Rockets, baby. There y'all That's go. Be hoping. All right. Yeah, y'all worried about that. Y'all in here battling yeah. for this. And you know what? If it can, if he can't go to the Rockets, they don't get the number one overall pick. I am rooting for the Spurs. I root for the Spurs because I want them to be in Texas. And I guess I root for the Mavs, even though the Mavs are way on the outside looking in. In terms of Ma- odds, Mavs are just trying to keep their pick. They just yeah. Yeah. They're trying to keep number ten because if they yeah. fall to number eleven, they lose the pick. Yeah. Oh. No. Ooh. They have a top ten protected pick yeah. there. So That's a great point. Oh, so they got drama. They got a lot of drama too. Yes. Uh, okay. So yeah, we'll get into that because there's a lot of drama with the Texas teams because the first time in history uh, of the NBA since they've had three teams in the state of Texas, um, none of the teams made the postseason. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of ironic, man. Which, which makes this day the <laughs> most important uh, NBA lottery probably in the history of uh, Texas NBA teams. Yep. Right? Because we've never had the all the NBA teams be this desperate. Yeah, no doubt. No <laughs> uh, doubt. So we'll get into that. That's a lot of drama there. All right. Uh, I say we start with the Doc Rivers thing because we have time. Uh, we'll get into the Lakers Nuggets. We got time for that. And obviously that's coming up tonight. Uh, Doc Rivers and that news is right now the most relevant news. And uh, I, 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 I'm not surprised at all. I mean, we talked about this yesterday, Patrick and Harge. I want to get your thoughts, obviously, about the, uh, the obviously the, the Celtics advancing um, to the uh, Eastern Conference Finals, and then what we saw from the Seventy Sixers, which the domino effect, the butterfly effect, I think, obviously leading to the dismissal of one Doc Rivers. But this is not surprising, considering what we've seen lately. Right. Um, I mean, you go look at the head coaches that have been dismissed. Uh, it is right now. Un- it's un- we're in unprecedented territory um, in terms of coaches and their in the NBA and their lack of job security. Um, both of the coaches from the 2021 NBA Finals have been fired, um, and that's the first time in NBA history that two head coaches within two years of finals appearances have been fired. Three of the last four NBA championship coaches also have been fired. Uh, and if you go look at uh, since 2018. Every coach who's made a finals appearance since then, uh, except for Steve Kerr and Eric Spolstra, have been given their walking papers. Yeah. So there is no job security. And what we saw from Doc Rivers, uh, Harge, I mean, 
he, even though he has obviously had his share of successes, I'm not saying that, but there are a lot of coaches, we just went through them, that have been successful, made runs, they have accolades, coaches of the years. I mean, Money Williams was a two-time coach of the year, yeah. and that has not really guaranteed them job security. And Doc Rivers, no exception, especially when you look at his lack of success in the postseason. Well, you go back to it. I mean, Patrick and I were talking about it before the show today, and I got a chance to listen to you guys yesterday. Thank y'all, as always, for holding the ship and, and doing Doing your thing, but you sit here and you look at it. You look at Nick Nurse, who won the championship. He's out of work. He's looking for a job right now after Toronto. You look at Emi Adoka. He just got picked up after being very successful. You look at Monty Williams and what he was able to do. Even though he didn't get the championship, he had a good coaching staff. Then you look at what Coach Bud did in Milwaukee. My man, just you got a two-time MVP. You got a, a, a championship in Milwaukee of all places. And they've already gotten rid of you. And then you look at Doc. And you look at Doc in his last seven uh, seven series when he was leading as the coach. And they were up 3-2 or better as a head coach. He ended up losing, obviously, to, to um, Boston, Boston just recently. Mm-hmm. In 2020, he lost to the Denver Nuggets when he was with the Clippers. Then you look at what he did with the Clippers in 2015. He was up 3-1. Lost to your Rockets, Rod. Four mm. games to three. That's a shame. Conference finals in 2012. Up three games to two. Lost four to three to, to the uh, Miami Heat. He lost to the Lakers while he was up. He lost to the Orlando Magic in twenty in 2009. And then you also look at what he did in 2003 when he lost in the first round. He was up as the Magic uh, head coach. Three games to one and ended up losing to the Detroit Pistons. So Doc Rivers... Track record does not look great for him. Yes, he won a championship in Boston. It was great. Every time you get to the mountaintop, everybody looks at you a certain way. But the biggest question for me, including, as as our man CB said, you call Coach Sark Steven, we need to call Glenn Rivers now because Doc just got fired. (laughs) So you sit here and you wonder, what's next for him? Is he able to get another team to the mountaintop. Is that is that something that <clears throat> when you look at Doc, does he does he move the needle for you if you're a new if you're a team looking for a head coach? No, there's a team that's gonna hire him because there's a wife swap culture going on. Yeah, remember I heard that, you say that, that show? yesterday. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. You ever watched yeah. that show back oh, in the yeah. day? Oh yeah. <clears throat> I don't know why I used to watch that show. Uh, but well, I, I, you always like that little trash reality TV. I do like some trash reality <laughs> TV. The trashier the better. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. that wife swap. It was interesting because it was all most people were in the the mindset that um, I my my life could be better. I could upgrade right. at the you know with a different spouse or something like that. And I think that was kind of some of the motivation for it. Either way, wasn't always successful though. Exactly. Yep. That's kind of this belief. I think the grass is greener. <clears throat> we just you know we're right there. We just got to get a, a better coach to put us over the top. And that is flawed logic. Not saying it's not going to work. And getting right. back to Doc Rivers, the truth is the championship for Doc Rivers now that we have a an ample sample size of of kind of his you know his resume so far, especially in the postseason. Um, getting back to CB's point, he this that's the exception, right. The the championship was the exception. I mean, he is he has he it's has the not most the norm. Yeah, I got he, has, you. he has the most blown series <clears throat> leads in NBA history. You just went through a, a bunch of them. You're talking about 33 losses, which are the most losses for NBA any NBA head coach in history. Uh, with a in a closeout situation in a series clinching situation. So he's 17 and 33, and he's lost. 
five game sevens, false five straight game sevens. And he's actually an, an action network actually threw this out there. And I was shocked to hear it. Nine straight games with a chance to clinch a conference finals appearance. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I mean, that's <laughs> this is who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, I always say, you know, once it can be an outlier, twice coincidence, if you believe in that. If you get, you know, a third time is probably a pattern, four times. All right, you know what? That's a trend. Uh, the fifth time, that's that's who you are. That's character. That's, yep. that's what you are. Yep. That's, that's, that's what it what breaks down to. Yeah, yep. so the championship to me was the exception. That's He kind of lucked out and got the right chemistry and concoction with that group. But ultimately, his team's peak too early, and much like Sark, to CB's point, he fails to make the adjustments or to anticipate the adjustments and come up with a creative, effective counter in a series. He's good enough to make the initial adjustments, right. but it's a seven-game series. Just like Sark, he's good enough to have the preparation, the opening game plan, and script, but it's a four-quarter game. So once they make adjustments, you got to be able to win the chess match within the game, and he's not a chess master. Yeah. Unfortunately. No, and I mean, when you look at the fact that he has basically consistently coached as a head coach in the league since 1999, that is a crazy long time to not have the success in the playoffs. If you say, well, this guy's done like seven years and, you know, he's had some ups and down years, basically the only other person you can really kind of correlate him to in where he's been able to keep coaching and success is Rick Carlisle. Yeah. Rick Carlisle's basically been yep. a coach yep. since I think 2001, 2002, somewhere in that area. But it's. Like that, those are the guys. So if you're looking at hiring Doc Rivers now, you're like, well, he's maybe a Rick Carlisle guy where he'll be okay if we're just going to be in the middle, but we'll fire him when we want to win a championship. That that's what you have to look at Doc Rivers as mm-hmm. now is he is not going to get us over the hump. He may be a guy we try and use if we want to build a young team, but he hasn't even been in that position in a long time. I think he's that middle guy coach, which is a hard like that's a hard mm-hmm. team to find where you go, hey, we're we're starting to get better. And we need a guy to teach us how to be a you know a more consistent and veteran team, and then we have to fire him because he's never going to win us a championship. Which you know in the NBA when they're firing guys every what three years yeah. now, that's not crazy that the person, the person that leads you down the path initially is not the person that gets you to the promised land. Yeah, but they both you need, but both were necessary. Just for different reasons. So mm-hmm. it's not crazy that he just has that kind of role. But, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Patrick. I don't think you Doc Rivers, for anyone at this point, looking at the sample size, will consider him like, no, he's the guy, he's the coach that's going to lead you to being a champion, uh, coach you to being a championship team. We just He hasn't been able to do it. Well, I think you can and look at a lot of those coaches like that right now, though. I mean, what, can co- even get, he, what he, coach can you look at and say, okay, this is going to be the coach to get us to the championship but that's, Again. but that's the point is he can't you, get to but the you finals. can go yeah. find you yeah. can go take a shot on a coach like an Ime Adoka or somebody like that. You go, okay, well he's only got a few years in the in the league. So let's see if we like this young up and coming coach. And let's You're go talking see about we, his credit report. His credit yeah, report he's is been saying in the league he is since ninety nine. Yeah. So like you, that's yeah. what I'm saying is it is but not it is not a short sample size anymore where you can look at him and say, oh, well, maybe he'll turn around. We, we know exactly who he is now. Yeah. It is 20 years. It's not like in 23 years of coaching he'll go, oh, i got to do that now. Yep. He, he is going to be this coach. So you can hire him if you want to, but at a certain point, it, it, usually a, if you're, if you're in it. that middle level, yeah. do you really want to take him on or do you want to go, hey, let's take a shot with a younger coach, and if we got to fire him in two years, we got to fire him in two years. But we're going to have to fire Pop in, or Doc in three years. So why do we need to fire hire Doc Rivers in the first place? Yep. 
I, I I totally agree with you. I think he does well, have. Well, when place. you said ninety nine, you since he's been there from ninety nine, won one championship, and you start looking at all these other things yeah. that are involved in it, then why not go after a younger player? Maybe bring him in as a GM or something like that. Maybe bring Doc yeah, get in him that as a way, consultant so he can so he can put together a roster, but not necessarily have to manage that roster every single day. With mm. the the way the NBA is changing, but I sit here and I look at it because they have this list that's out right now is the top ten available coaches right now. Do you think Frank Vogel is better than Doc Rivers? No, I don't. Mm. I don't see no. him as that kind of guy. Nick Nurse, maybe, yeah, because he's been in the game a shorter period of time as a head coach and he's already had success. Monty Williams, obviously, we just talked about him, but he's another one. He's had the talent. I think people will take Monty over Doc Rivers. I think so, oh, too. yeah. I think so, oh. too. Well, especially because of the type of person that Monty is, well, too. And I, I think right now he's just proven to be, just in a short time, he's had more success in a shorter period of time. Yeah. But who, okay. Uh, but when I say he won a championship, I'm talking about in the re, in recent. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're talking about how Doc Rivers kind of aged out of this Correct. thing. And the sample size is big enough. And all it, it's it's such a... You know, like I say, expansive sample size. It's telling you he can only go so far. Yeah. So why would you hire? Why don't you hire somebody at least that has the uh, the mystery of the upside that maybe they can go further? Because you know, Doc's only going to the semifinals, yeah. pretty much. That, that, He's not that, going to get you the conference. I mean, there have been fourteen different franchises that have reached the conference finals since twenty seventeen eighteen, and the seventy sixers didn't. Yeah, that's, like, and that's sad because of the you know, talent that and they've they had, some, That's not all Doc Rivers, but right. part of Doc Rivers, but not all him. But it gets to the point that, yeah, I mean, that's they they need to go a different direction. How is that possible? Right. Considering <laughs> all the talented <laughs> players that they've Look, had, too. They've had the second best regular season record yeah. over the last six years. Yeah. Yet, yeah, it is they very can't disappointing. get to the conference finals. It's like, what? That's that's crazy. Like, you would have thought just out of sheer luck they'd have hit it at least once, and no. No, and I mean, like, you can tell, and I mean, it's different because it's more gimmicky offense, but Mike D'Antoni fell into that role of, okay, well, this isn't a playoff coach, so he can have some great regular seasons, and he can make a lot out of these players, but when it comes down to playoff time, he's not the guy you necessarily want, so he's a, he's a lot of fun, he's great, but if you want to win championships, he's not the guy, and he basically fell out of favor, yep. and now his names are still involved in some of these coaching searches, because if you... If you don't have the roster, he could be a really fun guy to put in there and go, hey, we can sell tickets while we try and figure out a roster. But Doc Rivers is going into that where it's like, man, he's a regular season coach, but when you need to get intensity up and when you need to play at a higher level, he's just not that guy. Yeah, teams peak too early Yeah, um, for Doc Rivers. Because I, I do think, like I said, they, they get deep into these series and they get a lead, as uh, Harsh just brought up in numerous examples, but they can't seem to win them. Which is crazy when you got a team 3-1 and you can't beat them crazy that drives me that drives me yeah. insane but that's that's also part of the the mentality of really pushing for your player to get an mvp and like i get it because you want your player to be happy and everything but if you if your main goal for this player is an yeah. mvp yeah. then, then you're the preaching the wrong message yeah. to your player because once he gets it well now he's he's achieved his goal and he's going to step back instead of stepping forward yeah and you can't have that in the playoffs where where it seemed like Embiid took a step back because, well, I guess everybody knows I'm the best now. Right. So I don't have to prove it anymore. Right. No, you still need to prove it. Yeah. No, it's, uh, like I said, the numbers are mind-blowing. Uh, now the numbers keep coming out. They just keep coming out with more staggering numbers. Like, man, it's been that long? No doubt. Lost nine straight games with a chance to clinch a conference finals appearance and just can't seem to uh, get over the hump. 
All right, well, if he was uh, the coach of a team that got the number one overall pick, then he wouldn't have to worry about that because he'd get <laughs> right. he'd be he'd be immediately over the hump and on his way. If you look at all of the the analysts and their projections about Victor Wimbenyama, Wimby, as uh, Patrick's already lovingly calling him as a Spurs fan, hoping <laughs> they end up getting uh, lucky, and everybody's hoping that uh, man they get a lot of luck on their side tonight with the NBA lottery, but. How about this? And CB, shout out to my man CB who sent this to us um, at at Chris GB double zero two thousand. Adrian Wojnarowski uh, said this is the most highly anticipated player to ever enter the NBA. Maybe mm-hmm. the greatest prospect in the history of team sports. Now that may be hyperbole, but you know Woj is the man. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. And they uh, that's what they, that's what they're throwing out there, Harge, about Victor yep. Wimby, who's eight, eighteen years old. Um, he's real, really young, but he actually just missed the age cutoff. He probably could have been the number one overall pick in last year's draft, but he had just missed the age cutoff because he January fourth, two thousand four, he was born. So the age thing was weird for him to uh, qualify to be draft eligible. But no doubt, best prospect since LeBron. But now they're saying it could be even bigger than LeBron, considering how freakish this young man is. Seven five. Seven four seven five are the numbers I've seen. That's, That's crazy. That, that that the part is to me is seven, the craziest, and the fact that he moves around like a guard. He has ball handling skills. He can shoot from anywhere. I still go back to that video that we saw of him shooting a three pointer, missing it, and dunking it all in one motion. Follow up. Man. Yeah, I'm like, what what is truly happening? And then you start looking at some of his moves and how he's played. And he's playing against some guys that are pretty physical over there in that league to where it's like, hmm, I'm, I'm more impressed with the w- more times that I've seen him as, as a player than I was before because it was unbelievable to watch him move around in the way that he can shoot the basketball. My two favorite things about his background, because I know Patrick knows a lot about this too, he's been cyber-stalking Wimbenyama for a long time. <laughs> yeah. He's the first one I heard actually mention him like a year or so ago. Um, his mom... Elodie, I believe, mm-hmm. is uh, her name. Uh, she is a six three. Yep, <laughs> and she was a pro basketball player, and she's yep. a she's a coach now. So I've been obsessed with the game. So Mama is where how the basketball IQ comes from and the basketball skill, because Mama was a pro player and uh, is a coach now. And his dad, Felix, yep, is a six six former competitive long jumper, who is a track coach. So the beauty of him is that's why he he's seven five, but he runs so well. It's not an awkward right. seven. It's I know it's weird to say this because everybody seven five looks awkward. It's not an awkward seven five. His no. father, all the entire time he was growing up, his mom and his dad they paid paid close attention to it. They made sure that his running technique and running form stayed in check. Was stayed always intact. consistent, yep. and that he was always like that. It was always a point of emphasis. So he actually can run. Yeah. He can run he for does. a 7-5. It is crazy to watch. And think about that running the floor. I don't know. I wish they would actually track it to find out how many steps it takes him to run the floor, Patrick. Because I, I bet if you want those freaky science yeah. things, I honestly, I, I, I wonder if the over-under is being like. What was it called, that show? Sports, sports science? science? Yeah. Man, I don't want if over-under is like 12 and a half or 13. Like, dude, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, in, re- in reality, the real one is. How many steps can you dunk the ball from in half court? <laughs> and I would assume it'll be four to five. <laughs> no, like, it's where wild. it's like he can take those big strides and then take off and get it. And you're like, maybe it's six. 
but something where you're like, it's two dribbles basically from half court to dunk. What is going on? Which is just nuts. But yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the point is if you look at him, like Kevin Durant when he came out was a similar player and about six inches shorter. Think about what you just said. Similar player and six inches That's shorter. Yeah, and shorter. And, and people think that when by have a ceiling is possibly higher. But it's like if you say, "Hey, it he's... would have to be Patrick because he's seven five. It has to be higher." <laughs> <laughs> Technically, but, yeah, no, but, <laughs> yeah. no, but that's. I think that's the point. Especially in basketball, height is so important. No, you no. know, it's why you ain't got it. It's why out. you don't draft. <laughs> yeah. You know why when you see a guard is thought of as like, "Oh man, this is gonna be the best guard ever." You're like he's six three. Yeah, I mean, he could be. He could hit seventy five percent of his shots, and you still go, "Eh, he's defendable. We'll get yeah. him." Like he, we know ways to stop him. Yep. But if you go, "Well, he's uh, seven five, they go, "Well, we don't know how to stop. He can just shoot over the top of everybody. We don't have anybody who can stop him from scoring now because he can just get inside. So now we have to be more physical. But the refs don't want us to be more physical. So what are we really going to do? Cheat code. You, yeah, he and he can shoot threes. And he can rebound. And, and, he, can and he can follow his own three-pointer. He is. <laughs> yeah, right now. Yeah, he's actually, yeah, that's the thing about it. He actually can. He's uh, He was 31% on three-pointers, and that's something he obviously can improve on. 7-9 wingspan. That's one of the longest in NBA history. And something else I love about uh, his past, just him coming up, I was just reading some articles about him. And one of his youth coaches in basketball, I uh, hope I get his name right, Kareem uh, Bubekri, he was basically a big fan growing up of Isaiah Thomas and yep. Pistol Pete. Mm-hmm. And he would watch a lot of instructional videos, and he would have Winbiyama and all of the guys he worked with watching um, and one mixtapes and uh, like Pistol Pete and yep. Isaiah Thomas. And he forced Winbiyama, even as he grew huge, um, to still do the same drills as all the guards. And they would do really like non-traditional techniques of ball handling, and that's why his handles are amazing for yep. a big man. You just don't see seven footers that can handle the rock like this. He can, and he used to handle the ball. How about this? A uh, little, it was a little technique from this guy Bubekri. Uh, when Benyama learned to handle the ball, working with soccer goaltender gloves to help with the field and dexterity. When Benyama learned that despite his height, he had to dribble the ball low so he mm-hmm. control it and make it harder for it to be taken away. And that's that was the backstory on why his handles are so damn good, and the backstory on why he runs so well is his dad's a track coach, and the backstory on why he's seven foot. I believe his grandfather, who was Congolese, was stood also seven foot. The whole damn family's tall. His sister's like six foot one. Her name is Eve. His brother Oscar is six six. They're both basketball players. It's a basketball family. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and so he's got great handles because his basketball coach growing up was like, nah, man, you gotta you working with the guards, man. We 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 do we do all the same drills, all right, about handling here, and you gotta do them too. And he became kind of obsessed with it because he liked all those and one videos, and he he thought everybody wants to be a guard these days. Everybody wants to be a big man. So yep. He thought of himself as a guard. He's like, no, I'm skilled. I'm, I'm, I was like, no. Uh, Goes back to your like, thought process about DBs. Nobody yeah. wants to be a DB. They want to be a wide receiver. Everybody wants to play offense. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Right. Everybody wants. And he almost had this. This. Um, it almost was this dysmorphia, where he was playing. Well, he was doing all the drills, and in his mind, hey man, I'm a guard. I'm, I'm running. I'm fast. Hey, my dad's a track coach, man. I, I can win all the races and the sprints too because I'm fast. And everybody's looking at him like, dude, do you know how huge you are? Mm-hmm. He has no idea how big he is, and. That dysmorphia, if you will, has really helped 
shape him and evolve him to being the ultimate unicorn in today's NBA. Yeah, I've got a chance to watch a, a special on him on on the Four Letter Network the other day, and it was one of those outside-the-lines hmm. type of deals. And it was talking about that exact same thing, about him learning how to dribble the basketball and the fact of what you said about his, his father. So going back to what Patrick was talking about, about trying to get to the rim from half court, the reason why he would be able to do it because of the form running, father being a long jumper, he knows the steps and the technique of how to get there. And to to what everybody's talking about, about him being one of these trans, transcending players like a LeBron James, and they said it. They said if LeBron was coming out at the same time, Jay Billis said this, if LeBron was coming out at the same time that he was, it would be very interesting to see who would go number one overall mm. because of – the ceiling wow. that you can see on this player that it happens to be seven foot five with that wingspan and can play basketball like a guard. It just it's it's <laughs> freaky, man. It's and when he was, I believe when he was starting high school, they sent him I'm I would mess up the name of this school. It's like Nateri ninety you probably would know the name of this, uh, Patrick. Nateri ninety two it's a uh, basically a, a hundred year old family operated basketball club that uh, kind of operates as like an academy, if yeah. you will. And yeah. he went there. Like our IMG. It's a, yeah, the Hogwarts, they describe it as a Hogwarts of basketball yeah. over there in France. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, <laughs> and that's in other countries, they do have different stuff for getting players basically ready because you play pro a lot sooner yes. in other countries. Yeah. So they're like, they just don't have the same setup as we do. So there's parts of it where you, you get trained into it at a lot higher level and a lot quicker. But I think the biggest thing goes back to, though, when you see someone growing like that, there's often that point that we see where it's like that disconnect of their growth spurt comes and all of a sudden it's like, well, those handles that you kind of had, those are going away. And so you get a little bit – it's like Jackson Hayes is an example of a guy who had some flow to him because he was 6'2", six, 6'3", six, for so long. And when he got bigger, he was he had played as a guard for most of his his basketball career. Anthony Davis, too. Anthony Davis. So you yep. see those guys that you're like, why do they have that flow? They're like, because they were shorter and then had a huge growth spurt. David Robinson yep. was a guy who could run really well because he was shorter for longer and had that growth spurt. Yep. I don't know when Wimby's growth spurt was, but you can say there's something to it of the consistent work that when he had this, he was constantly playing basketball. It meant that he was never there was never that point where it was like, Oh, your summer off you grew nine inches and you were playing a little bit, but you were playing like twice a week and it, it just you never caught back up to it. He was basically every day playing basketball. Immersed in it. Immersed in it from yep. childhood. Yep. Yep. And in that culture was able to never have that spark that part where he grew seven, eight inches, nine inches, and his, and his skill set didn't keep up. Yes, he was <laughs> able to continue yeah, yeah. The, and the hand-eye coordination and all Great that because that's what starts to go out the window. And I mean, and then just throwing the basketball IQ of watching him play defense. And his mom, she's a coach and she's right. a player. Like yeah. he's so she watches it from a coaching perspective. He talked about that, and then his siblings also play basketball. So all they, man, that's all they talk about. Yeah. You well, know, and all and they, the, all they, their comp- competition and the dad's a track coach. So the dad's all about the fitness uh, aspect of it and kind of the, the mechanics of his athleticism. Yeah. Like, oh, no, no, you need to run like this. They, they told a story about when he would go up the stairs and his dad would tell him, no, 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 you need to lift your legs. Like, you yeah. need to be lifting your leg because his dad's like, you can, he's going to be big. 
Yeah, like, yeah. you know what I mean? And you don't need to be out there like a brand new uh, baby, you know, deer giraffe. or something. Yeah, baby yeah. giraffe looking awkward. No, no. Lift your legs and kind of teaching him the mechanics of his body movement. And he is, that's why it's, looking at something that big looks so fluid and smooth is weird. Yeah. <laughs> it, don't, it don't make sense. Well, the other part <laughs> of it, too, when you sit here and you look at it, he didn't get forced to go play on the block either. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of kids, when they're that tall, you get forced to go down to the block. So his mom being a coach and being part of that and him still being able to have those guard-like skills, because a lot of times you're that big, everybody's like, go down on the block, we're just going to throw the ball to you, mm-hmm. and you work on your you, – you play with your back to the rim. No, he's always played with his face towards the rim, yep. so he can always keep that attack, 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 not needing to have his back to the basket because he can see there. Because wasn't nobody going to block it. No. Nobody was going to block his shot anyway, so go ahead and work on your form right here. Yeah, they're just trying to get a hand in the face, (laughs) Scottie Pippen style. We're going to put a hand in the face. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Man, it is. Yeah, It's fascinating. It really is. And honestly, no matter who he goes to, I mean, uh, he's must-watch television. He's going to – you're going to have to watch him. I mean, he's just that. When you see him for once, you're going to go – I, I got to watch that. Yep. Like, when is, when is that dude playing again? I want to see him against other opponents, see how they decide to take away all of those freakish skills and freakish weapons that he presents um, because of that 7-5 frame. All right, we'll come back. We'll get into realignment, brewing in college football. Yes, it is brewing. And we'll talk about who the uh, the usual suspects are. All of that yeah. and more right here on Ball Don't Lie. I want to put down the horn. Don't lie, right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a top of the charts Tuesday. That's when my man Patrick plays jams. I reached the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. And Boogie Fever. Oh, yeah. I recognize it. Just that Jackie Moon style so you can get that first pick in the draft right there. <laughs> yeah, a lot of talk about Wimbenyama. I will say Wimbenyama did go to he, – he did uh, play for Tony Parker's team, right? He decided he to play Tony yeah. Parker's And they left Tony only Parker's team this year. To go to the – month. I forgot the name of it. Yeah. It's like, yes, yeah, another so – They're Metropolitan for, 92 yes, or something, something like, like that. Yeah, which I kind of don't understand, but yes. Yeah. Uh, that's the little team he's playing for right now, and I believe they – I don't know. Was it playoffs? They actually had playoffs. They're playing, playing today, today, right? They're but playing I think he's today. He's hurt. Yeah. Which is actually one. No, of the, no, does, no, don't take him now, guys. If there's any downside of Wimanyama, it is he is seven five, and we all know the and all these stats and analytics tell you that the bigger you are, the higher the chance of injury or yeah. higher the rate of injury. And he's already dealt with some injury yeah. in his very young career. So we don't want to talk about that today. We don't want to talk about We're talking about, about Wimbenyama and uh, him being the next LeBron James. That's what we're talking about uh, because the Spurs are hoping that's the case and the Rockets are damn sure hoping that's the case. What, okay, let me ask you this. Mbappe went to his game today, and Mbappe is one of the best soccer players in the world, Yeah, and he was going to watch his game, Victor Wimbenyama's first game today. Okay, so is he he's playing? This is his last game today. So he's yeah. playing in the in the Supposedly, playoffs? I mean, he showed yeah. up for it, so. All right. Now, cuz I know he has some there were some injury concerns. Maybe good if he is playing. Um all right, let's get to the 
realignment brewing in college football, gentlemen. Uh, because today, I'll actually say, I'll say this this week or earlier this week, sometime or last week, maybe it even was, because they weren't specific in this report. But it came from Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated. Um, oh, take it back. He was he was two weeks ago. So sorry, he was yeah. specific. Two weeks ago, it says here um, that there were meetings that happened uh, between Pac-12. Mm, the, the, the different athletic directors and the Pac-12 executives um, and the decision makers for the Pac-12 and also the Big 12 university officials and their athletic directors as well. And both happen based on this Ross Dungeon report in the same hotel, <laughs> in the same resort yeah, in Phoenix. It said it was like a, a long hallway and two flights of stairs is all that uh, kind of separated them, and they were in two conference rooms, uh, basically, yeah, kind of just <laughs> in the same resort. I don't know how that worked out. Meet me downstairs. Let's go have some drinks. And, and Talk I was, about moving around. I'm sure some of that had oh, to happen, sure. right? sure. So uh, the Big 12 is talking about poaching and raiding the Pac-12, mm-hmm. and the Pac-12, uh, maybe they're talking about Rating the Big 12, I don't know, but they're talking more about expanding too. Uh, but the, the teams that they're expanding with are obviously, uh, I think it's like SMU is one of them. Um, there's another team that's yeah. thrown out there that they're thinking about expanding with um, that was re- mentioned in this article. Um, but also, it pointed out mostly that the Big 12 officials they are on, really close to poaching the Arizona schools, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. Um, but right now, that's what they are discussing, expansion yeah. targets. I'm down with that. I, I mean, this is something that we've talked about numerous times. If you're going to go out west, and obviously obviously, UCLA and USC are making that move to the Big Ten, why wouldn't you want to go get an Arizona State or an Ari- or and an Arizona? That way you bring two teams in, you got logistical uh, territories that are covered, and you keep those two for their rivalry together. I, I don't see why it wouldn't be one of those places that you do want to go. I know I would love to travel if if Texas were still in the Big 12. That would be some place that I would want to go. I would definitely want to go to Arizona to go out there and watch a game. you got great weather. The time is going to be perfect for you if you are, are, are headed out there. So I'm looking at it that way. Colorado even. I would love to go to Colorado and watch a game up there. I wouldn't have told you that a couple years ago, but well, now Deion, that Dion's there, yeah, I would definitely go see it. No, yeah. you're right about that. Um, I'm sure that makes Colorado a more attractive expansion uh, target, having Dion there. We don't know how long Dion's going to be there, but at least having them there for the time being uh, while this conversation is happening. And uh, also, the, throwing it out, I think San Diego State is another team that was mentioned as uh, an expansion target for the Pac-12. But the Pac-12, they're looking for a new TV deal uh, as well. And right now, because of the instability and uncertainty with the conference, it's really tough for TV partners and broadcast partners mm-hmm. to want to invest in the Pac-12. Cause right. They don't know if it's going to be there. Right. Um, so there's there right now the Big 12 in Brett Yarmark. And I, I, I do believe that they want to expand what it's actually saying in the report that their top priority right now. Um, and they are aggressively pursuing expansion. And those schools I mentioned, Arizona schools, Colorado and Utah, are the top targets. Mm-hmm. Um, and that and I think that Yarmark understands that survival its the survival of the fittest right now. If you don't poach from the Pac-12 and continue to grow and expand the brand, it's possible 
that you could end up being poached from. Right. And teams could end up, you know, coming to raid the Big 12. Because right now, I, and because we still don't know if the Big 10 is done officially. We think the SEC is done, but we're not totally sure. Right. And the ACC, by the way, they got problems too. Uh, the How about this? There are now members of the ACC that won't, uh, they want a different revenue sharing model. Oh, for sure, because they, theirs is awful. Yes, they want an uneven revenue sharing model. Uh, schools like Florida State, Clemson, Miami, North Carolina, a group with the likes of Boston College, Syracuse, and Wake Forest, um, believe that they're bringing in more revenue, so they deserve more revenue, a more of a, a bigger piece of the pie. Well, they're dumb for signing that contract, bro. For tw- 2036. Yes. You signed a contract for till 2036. Granted if rights. your product if yeah. your product and you knew you were going to have a good product because Clemson has been represented in the in the uh playoffs multiple times throughout this time throughout these years and you're going to be stuck in this deal where you can't even go back in and renegotiate this deal Mm-mm. 2036 you yeah. stuck like Chuck, bro. Which is why <laughs> Notre Dame won't go to like right. totally be all into the ACC either because they're like, man, your money's too low. It's, uh, yeah. ACC schools right now, because of the deal Harsh just mentioned, 13 more years with that grant of rights uh, deal, they could find themselves more than $30 million per school behind the SEC and the Big Ten in annual distribution by 2026. Think about that. In just 3 more years. Right. 30 million per? That's crazy. That it's ridiculous especially with the amount of money that is being thrown around yeah. throughout college athletics right now because of the TV rights. Before before you knew where you were going to be and ESPN was the big dog. Well, they're not the big dog as much anymore. They're still the mothership. They still have all of the a lot of the teams that we all want to see. But when you start looking at it and seeing that you are the ones that are getting the least amount of money and you have the hardest contract mm. to get out of, there's going to have to be mm. some renegotiations. But I don't know how you renegotiate that. Yeah, I know. That's why yeah, they're in a bad position because I don't know how you break those kind of ironclad. Right. Right. You can leave, but they still they would encourage you to leave because they still own, they own your, your rights. Broad, the rights to broadcast your game. So yep. they're still going to get, they're like, no, go ahead, leave. Yep. I mean, somebody else can broadcast it, but we still own those rights, so we're still going to get paid, and then we can go in different directions. So you you have to be able to uh, come to a, a settlement uh, with, those t- with ESPN and why – they're not incentivized to come back to the negotiating table yeah. because it's such a great deal for them. And <laughs> like you said, your exit fees could be like they were saying right here that it, you could have to pay one hundred and twenty million dollars in exit fees. Oh, Who yeah. has that? Yeah. They don't have that. No, like Texas and like two, like two, two three other schools. Exactly. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Texas and maybe a Notre Dame. Oklahoma oh, didn't even have the exit right. fees for the Big Twelve uh, right. exit for Texas and Oklahoma, and that's why that had to be negotiated. So I, I'm with. You. I don't know why they signed that deal. Who, that uh, whoever that commissioner was at the yes. time, that was a a gross miscarriage of and almost, but basically malpractice. In terms of miscarriage, it is absolutely yeah, that was horrible malpractice, man. Um, But getting back to the Big Twelve, Brett Yarmark, who I describe as an alien, I love it because you know a lot of people thought you know, man, man, get somebody who knows the industry, knows the terrain. Um, He does not know the terrain, but sometimes that can be an advantage, that can be a strength for someone in his position. And he's came in and done a lot of things that 
really nobody really nobody thought about right um in terms of growing the profile of the big 12 he's got a a, a big 12 pro day um already and he all has a a, a big 12 business summit that they're having too mm-hmm. um he's talked uh, talked about them playing now in mexico city i believe it is right he's trying to have them play internationally but he also wants to have expansion targets that are only that are kind of basketball centric because he's talked about the Zags, or at least there have yep. been reports about him pursuing the Zags. Um, there's also reports about him being interested in UNLV, but mostly from the basketball perspective. Yep. But also strategically, because uh, Las Vegas is where a lot of the Pac-12 business is done. And because Klyovkov is a former, like he's a former Las Vegas like a casino executive. So it's almost like a little shot at them, too. But exactly. They may be going after some basketball-centric targets in terms of growing the Big 12, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's in terms of revenue generation, it's it's the second uh, biggest revenue generator in college sports today. Yeah, and it, it, this whole thing with the realignment drives you a little bit crazy because of so much uncertainty by all the schools. The one thing we do know, we're going to get a chance to watch games we just don't know what network we're going to be watching it on half the time, and especially if you're following certain teams. Uh, we've talked about this before. I have a a um, way of getting Pac-12 games, mm-hmm. and I still can't find them. Don't tell me yourself. And, and I still can't find <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. It's like, you know, you sit here and you think about, okay, I, I, I want to watch UCLA or I want to watch USC. You still can't find them even when they have a network. It's fair. So that's that's why when people when mm. you see all this stuff talk about man we're not going to lose Pac-12 network you need to you need to try <laughs> everything possible to create a new network where people can actually find you yeah because you the reason why your numbers are bad is because it's so hard to find yeah you get so on the other end of the spectrum the former Pac-12 commissioner. Totally botched uh, totally. negotiating their broadcast deal to the point where there you can't even find the product when you want to find the product. And on the other end, the ACC commissioner totally botched their broadcasting deal, but it was to another extreme because they wanted so much security that they essentially devalued the product and watered it down and decided, it. hey, we'll sign with you for 20 years. Yep. Uh, whatever, whatever. How like much is it years. for one reel? <laughs> exactly. It's like, dude, you sure you want to sign it long? Yeah, 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 yeah. So yep. 2036. We just want to make sure that we're stable. And it's like, right. well, you might have need, should have bet on yourself a little bit there. Right. Your product was better. Because like you said, you had a team that's been in the college football playoff. Exactly. Consistently yes. the last five, six, And at least years. in the conversation yeah. for it. Every single year. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that was a that's a, that's terrible. That's yeah. like uh, that that's terrible leadership by both. That's sides. a bad agent. The Pac-12 <laughs> and the ACC. Yes. Um, all right, let, we'll come back. We'll get into the flex on the other side, right here on Ball Don't Lie, one four nine horn. Sweet surprise. All right, welcome back. 
Wild Dog Live right here on 104.9 The Horn. Top of the charts Tuesday. That's when my man Patrick plays jams. I reached the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. Harge even liked this one. This is one of Harge's favorite jams. I do like this one. Yeah. It's smooth. It is smooth, actually. Smooth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get to the flex. FLXATX.com. FLXATX on all of your social media platforms. You can go check it out there. Uh, there is a schedule up for 7 on 7. So like we're approaching 7 on 7 season, I believe, May 20th. Uh, the 7 on 7 tournament. So you can go get a lot of details or you can go get the details up there at flxatx.com uh, for the 2023 Saturday schedule for the 7 on 7. The basically flex area 7 on 7 teams, I should say that. So go check that out at flxatx.com. Um, all right. Well, uh, on the other side, I do want to get into some Cowboys news notes and nuggets. So we'll get into uh, a pro football focus article that went through every team in the NFL and it went through biggest weaknesses for every team. And I wanted to get Harge's thoughts about if he was surprised about what he, or at least what Pro Football Focus believes the Cowboys' biggest weakness is. We'll get into that. And there is a running back potentially on the trade market that I think the Dallas Cowboys definitely needs to be interested in. We'll get into that as well. All of that and more when we return right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn.